You're listening to the Moms Unscripted Podcast. I would love for you to stand next to me, but you cannot lick my arm. So, you are an overachiever in your sex life. I mean, life. I could teach a class on it. Well, and really, I just deflect. If there's man topics, I'm like, yeah, that's not what we do here. In the New Testament book of Matthew, we read this account where Jewish leaders in Jesus' day were engaged in a contentious debate about which commandment was the most important. Some believed it was circumcision. Others thought it was observing the Sabbath. And so seeing an opportunity to corner Jesus into answering a theological question in a way that might entrap him, one of the leaders asks him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answers in a way that no one was expecting. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets which was a total mic drop in the moment. No one was expecting love God and love your neighbor, mostly because it's a challenging concept to measure, right? You can measure if you're circumcised, you can measure if you're observing the Sabbath, but how do you measure love? And the question for them became, how do we fulfill this commandment? What does love look like in practice? And so we're still asking that question today. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Which is why we have invited Sharifa Stevens to talk with us about this very question. She is the daughter of Jamaican immigrants, born and raised in New York, and currently resides with her family in Dallas, Texas. She graduated from Columbia University in New York with a bachelor in African American studies before earning her master's in theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. She contributed to the book Vindicating the Vixens, Revisiting Sexualized, Vilified, and Marginalized Women of the Bible, I Need to Read That, and Rally, Communal Prayers for Lovers of Jesus and Justice. Sharifa's married to a renaissance man and mother of two boys. We are so excited to talk with you, Sharifa. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so my favorite thing is when we go to your homepage of your website, and there's two sentences that appear across this gorgeous picture of you. And it says, daughter of the king in Kingstonians, schooled in the Ivy League, the Bible Belt, and the Boogie Down. So you need to tell us <laughs> a little more about all of that. Sure. Well, I am the daughter, the child of intersections, and I find them really um, intriguing and uh, potentially dangerous and also um, immensely educational. And so um, from being born, uh, I have had the privilege of straddling realities. So um, whether that's being uh, the daughter of an immigrant family, um, a first-generation American, and learning uh, that cheeseburgers are good, and so is curry goat and rice and peas, <laughs> or um, living and growing up in the Bronx and also attending an exclusive private school where, I mean, some of my classmates were living in quite different realities <laughs> um, than, than I was. Um, it just being a person of faith um, in largely secular contexts, there's, there's just a lot to learn in, in, in being in those intersections and honoring the people of each intersection, if that makes sense. And so in my bio, I wanted to make sure that um, 
I tip my hat to um, all the groups of people who have helped to raise me and um, challenge me and um, catechize me in, in different areas, really just um, discipling me and who God was, who God is not, mm. um, who um, I should be. How do I how do I reflect God um, in different uh, spheres? Um, there's a cloud of of educators as well as in a cloud of witnesses to uh, who I am today, and so I I want to pay homage to them in my bio. That is so awesome. So good. Talk a little bit more, Sharifa, about your learning of who God is and who God is not. I'm curious about, about that, how you articulate that. That is so (laughs) vast. Okay. So, um, well, today we're, we're talking about love and one of the chief definitions, self definitions that God gives us is that God is love. Mm -hmm. And, Living in a, a world that we live in that can, that at times for me, I'll speak for myself, at times for me, it's hard to reconcile that God is love as I'm living in a world that does not reflect love, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there are contexts where I have to look for the love of God mm-hmm. for my survival. Mm-hmm. Um for my edification, for for the good of um, the community that surrounds me, and so like when I grew up, I, I and this is gonna date me so much, but <laughs> when I was growing up, love love looked like um, my grandmother, um, my grandma, and I were roommates at one point like i i got to share a bedroom with grandma and grandma um was partially deaf but very like faithful and specific in her worship so so she would begin the day on her knees um which was an act of sacrifice for her it was hard for her to get on her knees mm-hmm. and she would begin the day that way um, with her hymnal spread out next to her Bible and she would sing and it was the most loud and off key praise. <laughs> and it was love, you know, yeah. love was, was her devotion. Um, but love, love was like also, um, protest for, for me growing up. So I, for you younger people, um, South Africa experienced apartheid. Um, it was a cruel, brutal, violent mm-hmm. system. Um, mm-hmm. And that they're still rolling from. They're, of mm-hmm. course, they are, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, but while I was in school, apartheid was still the law of. And this African nation, Mm -hmm. so whole swaths of people who are indigenous to that nation were subjugated. And it was a color 
color-based system. Now, and here we were little, little high schoolers seeing like Pepsi being sold in our school. Pepsi did not divest from South Africa under the apartheid system. So any, any dollar going to Pepsi was a dollar that was supporting apartheid. So us, for us as high schoolers, love was saying, get that out of here. We, we will not support it, and nor should you as an administration. And we will walk out of the school um, in order to prove that point. Mm. Um, love, love was um, protesting Rodney King, the, the, the beating of Rodney King. Love was my mom, who worked every other weekend um, at her hospital job and would make sure that she took me at 530 in the morning to get to that job so that at 930 I could walk from the hospital to our church to make sure that I regularly learned about Jesus. Love was the people who met me at the church and made sure I was safe and fed not only with the word of God, but also with food. So <laughs> like they, they were my surrogate family, my grandfathers and grandmothers, my aunts and uncles who ensured that um, I was safe mm -hmm. and they knew that my mother was at work and they supported her by um, caring for me. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's like just a, mm, a, a snippet of, of what love looked like. But for me, it looked, it looked like um, both education and practice. And mm -hmm. so, and the practice um, didn't necessarily look like only what went on within the four walls of of the church building, although it certainly, um, it certainly included that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am enthralled with this idea of love and what it looks like in practice. And you just, you just said it right there so beautifully. And I'm interested because you sent over a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King that in so many ways explains why love doesn't happen in these beautiful ways that you just mentioned. And the quote is, people fail to get along because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. They don't know each other because they have not communicated with each other. And so I'm curious, how has this quote resonated in your own life? And then what do we do about this? How do we know each other better so that we can communicate well? Yeah, that that is that is a really good question. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, was a beautiful example of what beloved community he was every time he spoke he was invoking what the beloved community of god could be what it could look like and i think that imagination um is the first thing that dies in me um when i'm in a place of despair or hopelessness mm. and i think that's true for a lot of people um i was actually uh reading the body keeps the score mm. which mm. is about trauma and um and how to how to uh, heal from it. And one of the most insightful things that came from that reading for me was that trauma and one of the byproducts of trauma is a lack of imagination. Mm -hmm. And we 
are, as the people of God, a people of hope and a people of imagination. We are not supposed to be content with what is. The gospel moves us out of status quo, out of, well, this is how it's always been, to a place of the kingdom of heaven kissing the kingdom of earth. It is it is literally what, what Jesus is praying when he says, you know, let's pray for for the Father's will to be done on earth mm-hmm. as it is in heaven. There are a lot of things that are happening on earth that are not as it is in heaven. What I think we need to understand is that even if it happened 400 years ago, we are still feeling the the echoes, the tides, the repercussions of those choices. And those choices, unchecked, create this mm-hmm. who is my neighbor um, issue that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Where, where we're asking the wrong question. So our imagination, uh, as as the people of God, a borderless people, um, and it feels risky even just so defining good. us this way. Mm-hmm. So but good. Our imagination means that we no longer ask who is our neighbor, mm-hmm. and we ask instead. Who can I be a neighbor to? Right. It takes courage to follow Jesus. And if we are not exercising it, courage, then we might be following our comfort instead or our tradition instead. And if I, I must look at the life of Jesus in order to plot my course. And if I look at him, this, this man is so disruptive. Mm -hmm. Everywhere he he went. Everywhere. He's incredibly disruptive, um, especially to comfortable people. Mm -hmm. He is uh, such a physician, such a balm, such a friend to people who are uncomfortable, who are used to being uncomfortable. Um, to people who are living in occupied territory, to people who are not religious elites, to people who have been banned from from the community because of how they were born. Um, uh, Lepers, blind folks, women. The things I could, I mean, Jesus was incredibly improper, and I'm putting that in air quotes, with his... um, his love, his frank conversation, his the the dignity he bestowed on every woman um, that he ever uh, spoke to in recorded tr- scripture, mm-hmm. just is. So the people he brought comfort to were people who really didn't experience comfort in their day to day. If that's true of him, if that is how he chose to show love in his short. 30 something years like what are the lessons for us on that Mm -hmm. what does that mean for my comfort Mm -hmm. what does that mean for what the gospel is and how it's winsome and who it attracts and what it conveys why is it that jesus when he was given all power and authority his words Mm -hmm. when he had uh resurrected and ascended into heaven why on earth why did he decide that the way 
the gospel would spread would be through us. Mm-hmm. Like, and, <laughs> well, and that's that's a lesson in itself, right? Because he, honestly, he could have just said, "Bump y'all," <laughs> you know. And I, what what I struggle with, and I've and I've I've been in so many conversations about this. I think the problem started in the garden. The, the mm-hmm. moment that we were given awareness, the moment that we then saw self, it took away now my care for the other neighbor. And so fast forward, and, and it even happened then of the, you know, consideration of the neighbor, circumcised versus uncircumcised. Now it's black versus white or rich versus poor or Democrat versus Republican. Then I can determine if you're my neighbor. Then that's my determination on how I love you, how deep, how surface, you know, am I am I in the trenches with you? Am I there for you or am I not? That hasn't changed. You know, my 62 year old husband uh, said to me the other day who who served, who has has um, just been an amazing person in my life. But to hear him say, I feel like I'm in the 50s again. I feel like yeah. I'm back in the 60s that I turn yeah. on the TV and I still see that type of you know it's uh, to me it's it's now past um you're different from me it's it's a mm, i'll speak it it's it's a it's demonic it's it's a hatred um and we know racism is sin but it there's a there's a line there that you know we're just almost afraid to cross to say you know what you are like me you know we're similar in a lot of ways i want to be your neighbor i want to be your friend but i'm also scared I don't in in just admitting that I think is what's keeping us from each other. And so we continue with the with the divisions and the devices and the separations and the you're not my neighbor. Yeah, that's that's um racism kills. So mm-hmm. um there there is a, a fundamental safety issue. Mm-hmm um there um for me for my sons um mm-hmm. and uh you know it's kind of, here, here, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 100% honest with you about this so so proximity is not an answer it's a start but it's it's also it's proximity and power that creates change. So to go back to the great commission, Jesus said all power was given to him and he did not, how did he use his power? Mm-hmm. He, he spread it to mm-hmm. us crazy folk, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So he, he, the way he's generous with mm. wonder working power is also a guide for us. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to be proximate. It is also mm-hmm. power. And so one thing that uh, I I'm reticent about is that um, it's not it, loving one another is not just about being able to have a conversation when you're scared. Um, it's not just being close by. Because there were a lot of biracial enslaved children in the antebellum South, for example. If, prox- if proximity were the answer, 
people wouldn't be selling their sons and daughters. Yeah. So mm -hmm. proximity is part of the answer. Having discussions is part of the answer, but it is not the whole answer um, because uh, history has proved that that's, that's just... That's just not true. Mm -hmm. Now, segregation segregation is a is a part of what keeps us apart. Um, but it's more it's more than relational. It's it's power. It is which which places have a high value, which places have a low value. Who lives in the places with high value? Who lives mm -hmm. in the places with low value? Who who attends? the churches that have the most money mm -hmm. and um and the most land like it, you know we're we're echoing this um in Christendom as well but but it's it's proximity and it's also it's also power it's also influence it's also the ability to affect change um and i you know i think that that's why um and people get really frustrated with forms of protest that feel really disruptive, disrespectful. Um, well, there's there's no access to to establishment power. And that's that's speaking in in strictly secular terms. That is. Um, but but I also believe that the secular and the sacred intersect mm -hmm. a lot more like I don't. I don't wish to be a, a spiritual segregationist when it comes to what's happening um, inside the family of God and outside of it, because the whole earth and the fullness of Amen. it belongs to God. Amen. Um, but, but I just want to be clear that just, just relationship is great mm -hmm. and it is not enough. Mm -hmm. If, if we are loving each other in the way that Jesus loved us. If it's some other way, then it's fine. That's fine. I wanted to read back, if this is okay with you, Sharifa, something that you put on your Instagram that really um, pricked me. You wrote, for so many, learning and allyship is more about appearances and fiscal preservation and keeping up with trends than it is about justice, repair, and change. I love this concept that you're talking about, the borderless people of God. And to me, I think we have in our minds this idea that that sounds good, but what you're saying is proximity is not the same thing as actually practicing the borderless people of God. And some of us, I think, are making, maybe borrowing a word from Malcolm Gladwell, flimsy attempts at appearing like mm -hmm. we are allies or like we mm -hmm. are learning, quote unquote. What I am realizing in my own life is that this requires a renovation of our hearts. This is not about a public display of anything. It, it will get to that, but it starts with a renovation of my heart and allowing the Holy Spirit into my heart in the darkest corners, right? And so can you talk a little bit about that? Like the renovation of the heart, what that looks like. And if it's in a proximity isn't enough, if that's just maybe more about keeping up with trends and um, the, the how this all appears, what do we really need? What do we really need right now? Mm. 
Okay, well, that's a really good and vast question as well. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, what what I have appreciated in people who are um, growing in their neighborliness um, is how much repentance um, and it's repentance isn't I'm so sorry I'm white I'm so sorry it's the work that's not that is not mm-hmm. what I'm saying I, mm-hmm. I do I believe that um, God is just so creative and he created us to be to look to appear uh, the way we do and it's good It it's good it's glorifying I mean systems systems of white supremacy are not good that's not that's not what god created us for um and so there's but there's a huge difference mm-hmm. um but my friends uh who are on this journey i i appreciate their repentance for the things they didn't see um mm. for for the rooms that they were in where they did not speak up and just be being awake to the ways that com- complicity looks like um, not making waves, right? And there's a shift from being more um, concerned with not making waves to being more concerned about um, what is true. What is noble? What is good? Um, that and that shift is not just a social media shift. You know, it's it's in the rooms where nobody who would applaud you is watching. Hmm. Hmm. That's right. So it it makes a real it makes a a real difference. Um, I've seen, um, and in in myself as well, like. For me to be a child of God, a follower of Christ, I am always having to interrogate my motivations, um, my heart. What is what is simply hard because this is the path to spiritual maturity versus hard because I I might get my feelings hurt or my I might mm. be excluded from something. Mm. We we need to let the spirit work, and I think that there are many of us out here who. Are who will claim to be Trinitarian and believe that we are Trinitarian, but we are functionally binitarian <laughs> because we are not um, still long enough, um, prostrate long enough, uh, silent long enough to let the spirit work in us, and and that that requires a tenderness that is so vulnerable and dangerous in a very tough world, but it is absolutely essential um, for us uh, as people, as people of the faith. And it's essential for me. I think what I'm hearing that I love Sharifa is like, this is like so many things, loving each other well and loving each other better. Like so many things is about allowing the spirit access to our hearts and it's hard and it's, it's humbling. And it's the quiet work, as you said, that happens out of the limelight. And that's hard. Yeah. 
It is a, it's a, it's a heart change. And I, I think, I don't, I don't know how you do that without examining your heart first to, and allowing God to examine it first to see where, you know, there are cobwebs, there's dirt, there's ugliness. Um, instead of, you know, I have white friends, I have black friends, you know, it like, that's not, that's not the end of it. How, like, where yeah. do we start, Sharifa, as a people, not just God's people, just as a people, just as human beings, the the kindness is, like, where's just basic kindness? Where do, where do we start with that? In the line at the grocery store, our mailman, our school teachers, you know, our, our, our kids' teachers. Like, I think we feel like we have to make these grand gestures a lot. When mm-hmm. just the basics of kindness is, it's just, I don't know. It's hard to find. I think that the battleground is at the dinner table um, mm-hmm. as far as kindness and what what we say or don't say. You know, I had some, some white friends who could not, who thought, you know, they had to whisper black whenever they said the word black. So, and they didn't even realize it until I started whispering back. <laughs> so, like, what's 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 behind the way we talk about people and and mm-hmm. like, can we have honest conversations about why we don't talk about race? Um, why it's impolite to have uh, racialized discussions? Can we talk about the policies that that divide us in? in political structures we in my house we have to Mm -hmm. like we Mm -hmm. got to you have Um, to it's safety people people are right well it's it's love yeah so it's like we we have people in our families that run the political gamut and racial gamut my husband's white so Mm -hmm. um race and politics are something that it's an it's an act of love to discuss hmm. um, mm-hmm. because you're not willing to go through the conflict with people that you don't love. I like that, Sharifa, that uh-huh. it's it is that those are love topics, because how I, I mean, I know I was raised that way. You don't talk about race. You don't or excuse me, not race. We talked about race. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about money. <laughs> You yeah. don't ask someone how much they make. You don't. You know there were some there were some off the table topics, and I, yeah. I I it is love to discuss it. To not to to go into echo chambers instead of to to discuss. Hey, this is why I believe what I believe, um, or this this is this policy um, seems like it's it's going to save more lives, or this policy feels like it's going to do um, more good for more people. Like, if we don't have these discussions, we'll continue to have echo chambers. And, and what we know about love is it requires intentionality. We That's can't, right. We can't just sit back and let, like, you don't sit back and love flourishes. That's not a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, love requires all the things that you listed, Sharifa, sacrifice, courage, bravery, kindness, love has to be intentional. Just like in our marriages, we have to intentionally choose them every day. So this path towards reconciliation and being more Christ-like and loving our neighbors better, it all has to start with the intentionality and 
being willing to do the hard work. Because if you can't, yeah. if, if you think it's just going to fall in your lap and you're just all of a sudden going to be educated, you're all of a sudden just going to understand what your brothers went through. Like that, that's not how the world works. That's not how we were designed to work. And I think in our level of comfort, we've lost that like tenacity to find it. Yeah. Like we need, we need to find that, that, that vigor back into our lives that says this is worth it and this is worth pursuing. And here I go. And then if you're doing it, try and grab hold of everyone around you and do it together. Cause if you can do right. it together, that's, it's, it's going to be so much stronger. It, and we're, we're made to do it together. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection of, of how we were created. Shreva, I'm curious. So, I am a firm believer that moms are some of the most powerful influencers on the planet. Yes. And moms are also some of the most powerful evangelists on the planet. And so as you're talking to moms right now, what word do you have for them? Well, thank you in advance. (laughs) That's that's the word that I have for them, for us. Mm -hmm. That's right. This is holy work. Mm -hmm. And... You know how earlier we were talking about some of some of the most important work is unseen. Moms know this, right? We we know about um, how unlauded and um, quiet, repetitive, aching, uh, nurturing can be every day, mm-hmm. every day despite what we are receiving because you know sometimes the children aren't like oh mother thank you so much (laughs) for all the ways you have given of yours like this rarely happened so fantastic british accent by the way yeah that was was great (laughs) thank you so much um we don't, so we don't get that. And so the maturity of parenting comes from the fact that it's not what we we receive mm-hmm. from from our children that allows us to move forward, right? It has to come from another source. So it, it can't be based on reciprocity all the time or praise that is unending affirmation. It has to come from another source. And man, we no love. We know love. We are conduits of love. We do that work. Um, we know. We know how tough love can be. I, you know, I had. I had no idea when I gave birth to my firstborn how good I had it when it came to sleep. Like I had no idea. <laughs> um, What's sleep? I had no idea how I could function with so little sleep. Um. <laughs> And I will never, I will never forget that because, I mean, that reality was um, a freight train in my life. And the fact that my babies are still here is a testimony to the fact that even deprived of so many essentials for a season and, and in this time of incredibly holy transition, um, I was still able to love. And mm. so for us mm. in in maturity, um, as moms, we already have we already have so many um, examples that mm. that that we don't only give love because we are being affirmed. 
Mm. That we don't only give love because it's incredibly easy and rewarding 100% of the time. And I thank moms for that um, in advance because the we are creating cultures. Yeah. Starting in our home. Right. We are we are creating cultures of curiosity, of um, theology, of etiquette, of education, of style and expression, of music appreciation and movement, of love for ourselves, our bodies, the way they're made, and love for other people. This is the work that we do. It starts in our homes and it impacts the world every everybody we we could look at martin luther king but you know we should also look at his mama mm-hmm. because <laughs> he didn't just hatch like this <laughs> you know you he know didn't come out but, quoting but truly, like that that's so funny yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, true. It's, it, it's true and to bring it back to jesus you know god god chose mary for a reason you know, um, Jesus had a mama. So right. Jesus, uh, I mean, this is part of the wonder of who he is. Like, this is the part of the wonder of the incarnation. And I can't get over it. And every mom who's listening, you know, think about it. Jesus was a baby. He was a child. Mm-hmm. He, he, he cried when he needed something. He was held in the womb of Mary. He was held in Mary's arms when he he got hurt. There's something about how the Lord has created us that we can we have this gift of being co-creators in a sense. That we get the gift of raising humans. Mm-hmm. This is a gift. Um, and it's not just for people who birth their children. This is this is a gift for for moms period mm-hmm. we get to raise humans and there is a communion that we have with our creator that is so special and distinct because of that what will we do with it right so we can create cultures we can we can create um as moms we can create cultures as we raise our humans and there's such a sacredness to that so sacred that even Jesus had a mommy, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That's and so that good. mom was singing the Magnificat. Let's not mm-hmm. miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, she she knew who God was, and she sang of who he of who he was, and how liberative it would be to have Messiah. And she sung that song. Um, and I, I like to, in my imagination, think of her singing these songs to her, her baby mm-hmm. in such an impactful way that when he began his ministry, he opened a scroll to Isaiah, who I think must have been a wonderful singer, a poet. He, he opened his ministry in verse as well. I think he got that from his mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not just, you know, I don't want to diminish the fact that he is the second person of the Trinity. But that style, that opening, that let's begin this with a poem. I mean, Mm. we saw the the blueprint with Mary. Mm -hmm. And that's us. We have that. 
we have that ability to build into our children this these these songs that we sing to them that they they take that chorus and they run with it and they add verses and create a world where the kingdom of heaven meets the kingdom of earth Amen. we have that mm-hmm. we have that solemn um privilege and responsibility mm-hmm. and that joy mm-hmm. we know love we know how to give it we know how to give it when it's hard mm-hmm. so i believe i believe in us and our our um, power to shape and to shift culture um in a way where love is generous where justice is generous um where mercy is generous. I think we have the power to do that. I think that God has given us that power. Wow. No pressure, moms. <laughs> it's not pressure, it's a commission. As, as you're That's raising right. yeah, the next good. generation. It's so good. <laughs> what an incredible charge for all of us moms. What a gift this conversation has been. We hope today's conversation has been useful to you. And as always, thanks for listening. We'd love for you to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time. Hey, friends, thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash Moms Unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another unscripted conversation around the Mops table.